0: Shopify understood everything and if you don't do the switch today, you might get in trouble at some point.
1: Welcome to Shopify Masters, the weekly podcast brought to you by Shopify, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm Shuang Shan, and this week we are chatting with Marvin Cavalier the co-founder of Tajin Banan, an apparel company that creates clothing designed for breastfeeding. We get to learn from Marvin as he shares how his sister Ali came up with the concept for Tajin Banan, the social content that allowed the business to triple their growth and the importance of building a community. Before our show, I want to let you know about Shopify Inbox. It's a brand new free sales channel that you can set up right in your admin. With Inbox, you can manage all customer conversations from your store and social media in one place. Plus chat anywhere, anytime using the mobile app or on the web. Most importantly, Inbox can help you close sales since 70% of Shopify Inbox conversations are with customers making a purchasing decision. Use the power of chat to turn browsers into buyers. For more information, visit shopify.com chat. Now let's teleport ourselves to Bordeaux, France, where we visited Tajin Banan's storefront and recorded this episode. Tajin Banan is not just an apparel brand, it's a community for parents and kids. Now, in its fourth year of operations, Tajin Banan grew from an idea that Ali Cavalier had about making breastfeeding more accessible by creating stylish clothing that catered to the need. With her brother Marvin looking after operations, the siblings grew this direct-to-consumer brand to have its own retail and community space. They also expanded to a team of over 20 employees and have built a charity component into Tajin Banan.
0: My sister was uh, like, Got a first kid like at nineteen years old uh back then she was not she was not really informed about like breastfeeding and like uh, topics around maternity like as a young mom with her first son like uh, but she did not she not breastfeed for very long or something. then she got a second kid Malib, uh which was completely different she like uh breastfeed for eighteen months or something and it worked perfectly well. And so that's why for third one, she knew she wanted to breastfeed even before giving birth. So when she was uh, eight months pregnant, she had like, uh, I think it's called appendices. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so she had to get operated while, like, uh, still pregnant. I think she got, like, three or four operations. She stayed in the hospital two months after giving birth. As uh, she had, like, a lot of morphine treatments, uh, she could not breastfeed in the hospital. But, like, she really wanted to. So when she went back home after a month, she, like, stayed, like, all, like, weekend with Lou, like, it's the name of her last one, uh, in bed to b- try to breastfeed. And she ended up, like, uh, managing to, to breastfeed, like, uh, a a last one. Yeah. What happened is, like, breastfeeding clothing always existed it's like a concept exists for like i don't know 50 years or something Uh, she was just not a client of breastfeeding clothing she did not recognize herself so what she was doing she was wearing normal cloth. she had a lot of uh, bandages uh, scars and stuff uh, lifting the t-shirt story became like an issue and that's how like uh, with a t-shirt of half like a, a boyfriend it was an oversized t-shirt she made two cuts and like she realized it actually was pretty practical Then you did not have to lift the t-shirt and uh, that's how she really imagined the first concept uh, once again it was not to basically fulfill the needs of like clients who are actually clients of breastfeeding clothing it was to fill the needs of like what she thought was a couple of moms like her who to stay a bit steady while, like, having something practical to, to breastfeed with.
1: So, how did you get involved with the business, and how did you start working with your sister?
0: Purely random. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, like, it's, like, when we tell the story, it sounds like like a lot of uh, I don't know a lot of crap, but that's how it happened. So, like, uh, we started, we launched it. I think the eighth of August or 10th, we can't even remember the exact date, like, uh, we always, like, uh, mixed up between the 8th and the 10th. And uh I was on holidays there. I don't know, we spent, like, uh, we were supposed to spend, like, a couple of days or something. I was, at the time, like, uh, in an internship in Paris, like, my last internship to, like, uh, finish my studies. Even the day where she launched it, we were actually at the beach with my girlfriend, Raphael, like, her boyfriend. And then uh, my sister was launching Tej in she thought it would be a fail then like a product was not good enough, then like, uh, I felt like, yeah, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this moment when they launch the thing because they don't even believe in their own stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like it was not at all like that. She launched it. We had like our first order something like 10 minutes after the launch. Uh, Nobody knew us, especially we really like started from, from nowhere. Uh, on Instagram, I think we reached 2000 like followers. Uh, we were 200 just before the launch or something. I don't know what happened this launch date, but like uh, we got reposted by the right person. And then, like, from then, like, uh, those first and reposted, reposted, reposted. And we straight got like a good visibility, not a huge one, but a good one. And uh, we had the first day, like, yeah, something like five, six orders. As I told you, my sister never thought of Tajibana as a business. Uh, they didn't even have a laptop at the time. They did not make like any business plan. Even if you don't really need to make a business plan, I mean. Even the price of a t-shirt, she did calculate it because it started good. Like 39 was a good price, like a good <laughs> psychological price. It's not too much. It's under 40. She did not even calculate all the cost of shipping like and stuff like that. And then so like he started, he exploded from one sec to the other. My sister, like uh, I still remember her, but like uh, 24 hours after the launch, uh, she was crying. She was like, yeah, I won't be able to do it. Like, I don't know. I have orders that felt like, yeah, she was completely lost. Uh, I'm not saying then like uh, I don't know, I saved the day or something, but like I had a little bit of business knowledge, let's say. And yeah, the first 24 hours we haven't slept, we like starting to start a business within 24 hours, kind of, so just an Excel sheet, uh, trying to find the cost. She didn't even know how much the t-shirt cost her, so I had to ask the invoice to the suppliers and everything. And from this moment, yeah, we never left. Did not invest ourselves 100% from day one. And yeah, all
1: self-funded. Yeah. No external investments.
0: Exactly, yeah. We didn't really have money back then. What really helped is like my dad helped us for the first order of t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a couple of grand's. Like uh, It was not like even a big investment. Like I think mm-hmm. anybody nowadays can make an investment of 2,000 dollars or euros in, in their own business, in their own ideas. But we did not even have those 2,000 back then. Yeah. So my dad helped for the first order. And then from this moment, uh, we sold 100 t-shirts we decided to put it out of stock because we were not really happy with the first product we launched it we did not find it very practical it changed a lot uh, since and then we did some kind of pre-order so it's not really crowdfunding but you were buying like basically your product you were not buying a concept buying an id you were buying your t-shirt and you just had to wait like yeah 10 to 12 weeks to receive it so that like uh, we managed like that to pass our order and like canon Financing or production upfront, as like a lot of people are doing today. We did not like uh, invent anything or something, but uh, yeah, so we did not really do a crowdfunding, but like more or less, like we started like that. I think a couple, three first order were like that. Like, uh, we always took like something like 10, 20 percent more in quantities in case.
1: When Marvin and Ali launched the business in 2018, they gave all their energy to Tajim Banan, working long hours, wearing all the hats that the business required. It wasn't until a year later that the siblings hired their first employee.
0: Our first recruitment was in 2019. I think it was for customer service. Because at some point, like what we realized, nobody could be as implied as we were in this like uh, project because like it's your own project. You give everything you have. The first thing we had to do to start kind of like growing, scaling and everything was to outsource the logistics. Uh, that was really like as a e-commerce, I think is the first thing you should do. You should never like think twice about outsourcing like uh, logistics. Because of eight first month, we were packing ourselves. We went in the garage of uh, my sister. And yeah, and like, we literally like uh, spent from eight, eight in the morning until like, uh, we had to be at the post office by four. Because at four, it's like they stopped the, you know, it's they ship the mail the same day. And from eight to four, we went in the garage, like uh, packing order, packing order. But like, in this time, you do nothing. We add value to your company. It's absolutely not like added value. It's nice because uh you careful in the shipping, you can put little notes. So it's better for the customer kind of you put like way more effort. From four like we were like done with the orders and then we had to answer emails, we had to do Instagram, we had to think of other products think of marketing strategies, so let's say the old days were like uh, from 8 to 12, like uh, every day. And uh, yeah, we even had to stop on marketing strategy because we knew behind, like, for example, like a little promotion code for like uh, Mother's Day, for example, we were like, no, but we're not going to do it because then we have to ship the order, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> then we can have a hundred orders to ship, so we were even like uh, stopping all of that. And then we met, like, a person who had, like, a new someone, uh, like, a logistic. Yeah?
1: Uh, fulfillment, logistics. Yeah,
0: fulfillment logistics. From this moment, like, yeah, logistics wasn't an issue anymore. So, like, we, we did focus 100% on the activity. And same at the point, like, it was more me taking care of emails, for example. And at the point, of, uh, when I was spending six hours answering emails per day, I realized, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's no need. And so, we did outsource. And we started like that, basically. Like, uh, I think we were really careful in the way we manage a business, I'm not saying it's the best way to do it. We call it like in French like "solo." It's like underwater. We prefer putting yourself underwater, like uh work a lot mm-hmm. until the moment where like really the added value was not there anymore. And then we did like uh find someone to help. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so that was twenty nineteen. And then twenty twenty it's like when we really built the team. And today like yeah we 24 employees and my sister and me.
1: That's that's quite a lot of growth, Mm -hmm. but I think I want to ask a little bit about the beginning because you said, you know, your sister didn't do a crazy amount of marketing. She just had this idea. She made a few t-shirts. And she started, you know, on social. Like for you, what do you think is that initial part about Tajin Banan, Or what is it about how you guys approach sharing the story that Mm -hmm. really got the first set of customers aware of your products and actually be a paying customer?
0: The first thing you have to know is like my sister before was, uh, in English, I don't know you say that, but, you know, in the hospital you have nurses and under like the nurses you have like a... We call it head-soignants, so basically it's the people like doing the toilet to the patient.
1: Personal support. Yeah, personal
0: yes. support and everything yes. and she never studied marketing from like uh, close or far in her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I don't know, never read books about marketing. She was just very comfortable and so she had a MySpace, it was always great. When Facebook arrived, she had a Facebook, it was great. Like <laughs> great pictures, great uh, Instagram came, great Instagram. I don't know. I don't think it's something you can learn or to use social media like. Uh, basically, I learned marketing in school. I would never be able like to be close enough from the talent of my sister. Like uh, even if someone's doing master like in communication, my sister is still going to be better than. I'm not. It's not to say my sister is the best or something. <laughs> but I mean, I think you have some stuff that you can't learn. All of that to say, then like uh, my sister started like. Uh, so the launch of the company was in August. She started Instagram, I think, in a like three or four months before the launch, and when she started to do it, was just content, like uh, talking about maternity, talking about breastfeeding, talking about a uh, story too. Like uh, we never sold a product. That's the thing you have to remember: we never selling a product, except like on the launch day where we're gonna say like, I'll oh, look this new T-shirt." But that's it. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, it's more. It's always about content because the thing is with Instagram, what we realize it's like brands never have a big engagement on instagram it's like you know you're not gonna like the post because oh it's a great new like outfit like or something mm-hmm. uh people want to be interested in in learn stuff basically so that's how i think we managed to keep followers like happy or i don't know interested at least mm-hmm. and so she built this little community but like uh since then we never changed our strategy like um as I told you, you can't have a strategy in communication. I'd say you have guidelines, you have values, and our guideline values haven't changed since the beginning. We're not selling a product, we're selling a concept. Uh, something to help moms in their challenges every day. But like that's why it's hard to present And as a, yeah, we do breastfeeding clothing. No, it's not just that, it's like uh, all the stuff around. The world.
1: Mm-hmm. Making being a parent just a little bit more easier for yeah, moms. Exactly. Yeah. And then at which point in your business were you saying, you know, now we can actually invest in marketing, maybe put money behind Mm -hmm. ads and start having a marketing budget. Did you guys ever transition into that section?
0: Uh, Not really. That's the other thing. It's like, our advertising budget is close to zero. Uh, we started a big Google Ads like a couple of months ago. We did just one campaign in 2019 or something. We spent like maybe 50 euros on Instagram. That's, uh, that's it. It's still possible to have natural growth, natural content. Uh, it's just you have to stay interested in things. That's it, you know? I don't know. I think you have to touch subjects. You have to find the right influencer to work with. It's not even just a practical thing. I think it's just moms and like women in general. Like it's the same. Like once... Don't want to change their dress code just because they gave birth. We would have made a market study, we would have realized probably that, like, yeah, it's not an interesting market for us because if you were a client of breastfeeding clothing, okay, yeah, you're gonna play like it's a bit prettier, maybe it's a bit more practical. But, mm-hmm. like, on the other hand, like, you're not gonna like get all the market of breastfeeding clothing mom just because you're prettier and more practical. What we did manage to touch is all the moms who did not buy breastfeeding clothing, kind of, because they did not recognize themselves in them and they did not find the need of it Mm -hmm. and that's where the customers are it's like so yeah
1: for certain moms or certain parents they move past the stage of breastfeeding so how do you keep that relationship going as they move through different parts of their life
0: I think our first kid clothing were maybe a year after our launch. The thing we realized first is like, we thought too, then moms are breastfeeding in a couple of months, then it stops. Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to have to renew always your customer basis, find new customers. We realized it was not that. Uh, you have as many breastfeeding journey as mothers, basically. Like what we realized is like, even if your mom did f- stop breastfeeding, she kept wearing her clothes because it was some kind of souvenir like um we're not saying that breastfeeding is better than giving the bottle it's not even it was never a topic but what we realize is like when mom or breastfeeding they're having a moment with their child which is very very powerful and so basically you're touching a moment which is really important, like a lot of emotions, hormones, everything. So it's always a like, very emotional moment. And uh, so we realized that even today, a lot of our clients are not even breastfeeding. They just like the concept, the brands they support the brands. Uh, we also have moms then like orders in 2018, stop breastfeeding 2019 by the second kid or third kid. So that after like, uh, as long as they like, bought it the first time, they know the brand, they keep following us. That's again, the most important thing about content. Because those people if they're not clients anymore. You still have to keep them interested. They don't care about like your new product basically because they don't need it anymore, somehow. But like we manage to keep them because like yeah, we talk about like subject which are interesting them. Even mm-hmm. if they don't breastfeed anymore, you have so many topics around maternity. You can talk for hours. And so basically, the, those people, we these people, sorry, we keep. And then when they get like pregnant again, and I'm telling you, like we sometimes but first to know before their, their husband, they sent us a picture of their pregnancy test saying like, oh, I'm going to be able to reorder soon, or like, uh, I'm so happy I'm pregnant. We, we became this, I don't know, figure of their maternity, kind of like, uh, and uh, so, yeah, so that was one of the, the thing. and the other, of course, is like the kids clothing too, uh, so we realized, yeah, like when we started making kids, they did not really work, but after a year or after 18 months, it started working because we realized and like, yeah, same. you start breastfeeding, you prefer buying stuff for you because uh you know someone who's gonna give birth. Mm-hmm. You're always gonna buy a present for the kid. It's like mainly everybody's doing that. It's like a little like um a teddy bear for the kid oh, or slow yes. for the kid. But nobody really think about the mom. Mm-hmm. Like uh, even if it's like still a really huge moment for her too. So they want to make themselves happy. We realize, and like, yeah, you start by buying stuff for yourself. And then at some point, like, after a year of, like, uh, breastfeeding, either you stop or either, like, you start buying stuff for your kid too. That's how now, like, uh, kids, we're not on the same volume as breastfeeding, but like, uh, yeah, it's a perfect. Balance.
1: You mentioned earlier that there's, um, you know, support and reposting by influencers. Mm-hmm. Have you worked with influencers and done campaigns that way or have they just only found you guys organically?
0: It started on um, our launch, we found two influencers who did all without even telling us. Uh, it was two influencers, like micro-influencers, it was huge for us. Yeah, talking about like, subject around maternity, like uh, education and stuff like that and so they really got interested by the concept one of them was proceeding. she ordered she liked it she reposted and like uh, from this moment my sister spends almost all her day on Instagram so she was following interesting people like uh, on topics and yeah we started by gifting them Mm -hmm. so like you send a couple of t-shirts you send like uh, nice notes and uh, it started like that and like they like the brand they like the concept so they always like reshare like uh, without any financial uh... but on the other hand When we give someone, we never tell us, oh, you have to post, or you have to make a story. That's the thing, you know, it's like, okay, you gift. it's a gift. So if she doesn't want to talk about it, but she doesn't talk about it. And like, I think it's this relationship we have with them. It's not a contract. It's more like, yeah, here you go. We want to make you happy, to to, to please you. Now you do whatever you want with it. And often they, they, they repost because like, they accept the gesture and yeah, they like the brand, they like the product. It's nice to, to, to talk about branding with values, also, I'd say. Yeah, we never really had like sponsored like uh, relation. Same also, like, even if the influencers stop breastfeeding, we still give them with other stuff. I mean, we have a relation, we work with some influencer, we work since 2018. It's not even work, I mean, like, we. It's a relationship. My sister became friends with some of them, so they talk about all the topics and stuff. I felt like, yeah, it was never a financial like relationship, a contract, or like, yeah, I give you that, you have to give me that in return. If I don't have that many followers, I'm not gonna work with you anymore. Like, it was never like that, like a- uh,
1: Very organic, just relationship yeah. building. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And then after you do, of course, giveaways with other brands, uh, that was always something we did from the beginning. And now all the brands want to do giveaways with us, so they come naturally too.
1: Marvin and Ali went from siblings who were on a beach vacation together to co-founders and owners of Tajin Banan. They also enlisted the help of both of their partners. Some might suggest that by having romantic and familial ties to a business might make it complicated, but Marvin thinks differently.
0: I think we're really lucky to like uh, be as a family business because I think the important thing with your associates is to be able to tell each other stuff. I find it easier to tell my sister stuff than like a friend. It's easier to fight with your sister. You always fought like, <laughs> yeah, before, you know I mean, than like to fight with a friend. And like, so already I think it was very straight, like from the beginning. In the personal level, you don't have a notion as an entrepreneur of personal and professional anymore. Like, uh, to be honest, I don't really have this, this dimension because Yes, yeah, since three years basically we only talk about Taji Baan. We don't have really other topics of course we managed to talk about something else uh, from time to time but it's still the main topics coming back to the table. So yeah, I think we grew closer. We were not neighbors mean your parish was in La Rochelle, it's like still uh, like far apart. We were not seeing each other very often and now like yeah we see each other every day. I think I'd say we grew closer and I think she would say the same thing. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. Um. do you think there's like advice for family members who want to run a business together
0: I don't know like we're siblings and on top of that both our partners are yes. associated with it and I always heard people saying I could never work with my boyfriend or my girlfriend or something like uh, it's very hard and stuff and I don't know never really happened to us, summer I think of course if you like uh, don't have a great relationship with your siblings, maybe it's not going to work out. You know, you still have to, for example, when we were young, we were always together. As young kids, we were always doing stuff together. We had a really strong relationship. Then after we grew a bit apart, but like that's a different journey too. And then like we came back together with uh, with Tajina. But uh, I mean, yeah, you still have to have a good basis. It has to be important then to split the roles, to split the responsibilities. Mm-hmm. For example, with my sister, I'm never going to take a decision on her part. Like she's going to never take a decision on mine. It's like we both CEOs of the company, I have more like the process back office part. She has more like the Instagram, like our direction. She's the brand and the company we both trust each other on like uh, each of her part like she's never gonna tell me like hey what did you do that or or something like that i'm never gonna tell her like yeah why did you do that it's like we leave each other like in peace
1: that sounds very cool Mm. like a a lot of trust definitely to just let each other manage their own domain Mm. um and also the partner aspect like both of your partners are also Mm. in the company so um like and that also hasn't ever complicated uh, working together as well wow
0: uh, Christina my partner I work like uh, yeah it's still a lot with her I'm, like uh, on different aspects of like uh, our missions but mm-hmm. it's like uh, you still have your moments where like uh, you, you're on your own and so I think everybody has his own responsibility for example Christina like my partner I could be like uh, technically a boss I'm never like gonna tell her she's more like the boss of me kind of I don't know like know. you know what I mean it's but like it's uh, <laughs> like you should not answer feel like uh, yeah professional and personal. That's what we did with my sister. So nobody is the boss of anybody. Uh, and yeah, the same like uh, my sister is not the boss of Raphael. I'm not the boss of Christina. It's like in real life, like you have to respect your partner. Kind of, it's not even at home. It's not one better than the other. It's like yeah, uh, and at work it's the same. And yeah, so I, I think it's great. Like we spend a lot of time together. And uh, I think the other thing where it's great to be with your partner is like I think the first year at least. She would not have been in Berlin. and she would have left me, I think. It's like you work age to like 24-7, uh, you're never there. And who's best to understand that if she's living it herself?
1: And what are their respective roles?
0: Uh, so, Christina, she's German. Uh, so basically, she's more on international development, focusing on Germany, because now we have someone like an uh, English speaker as well for like English-speaking countries. And when we work, it's like a lot of administrative like, uh, aspects, we do it together. And Rafael is gonna be like in the in the boutique. And I helps my sister on Instagram. So that's why like both of especially like for example, Christina never really works with my sister and I don't really work with Raf kind of and uh, so basically Raf helps my sister to answer messages on Instagram. So even today, like Instagram it's if you text on Instagram, like the one that's gonna answer you is gonna be my sister or boyfriend. Even Raphael became friends with some of her clients. They talk about all the topics and stuff like that. It was always... uh, We call it, for example, La Mif. It's like a a short for like uh, family, like family. So basically, we call it like that. Like even our customers recognize themselves as a big family, kind of. And uh, we were always like really very close with our customers. And uh, we don't even see them as customers, kind of. I don't know.
1: So the store uh, below us is very much like a community of sorts. It's Mm. not just to sell clothes you know especially how you guys described it online it's like come in for some coffee come in for tea you also have an area for kids to play in so it's very much like almost like a community hub
0: most of customers spend an hour in the shop and any other shops in the world would be like your interest is to kick the customer as quick as possible else is the other way around it's like even if a customer spent three hours and not buy, in the end it's okay too like he had a bit of fun like you know this person had a good moment like drinks we offer them even if you don't order, like, I mean, if you want a coffee, we're not going to make you pay for it. It's like, uh, it was uh, the, the whole concept. It's like, um, yeah, don't treat your customer like uh, you would not like to be treated by a company kind of. It was always the spirit. And for loyalty, it was the same. Uh, we build a loyalty program. Imagine this loyalty program. We did not calculate it. Like, for example, oh, if I give that, I'm going to have that in return and it's going to cost me that and stuff. We just made it how we would have liked to have a loyalty program. So you see our loyalty program today, like nobody's doing that. Like we offer sometimes 40 euros as a voucher, like no company is doing that, you know? It was more like to be nice, to reward, actually the clients who spend like thousands, hundreds, thousands of euros, like in in our shop. And yeah, I think we, we're pretty fair after, of course we're a business, so you have to think profits. If you're not profitable, like you are not gonna work out. In any case, So it's always just two dimensions and you have to keep at least the balance. may never put the business first and,
1: the last question about all this partnership and family is, I guess, was it ever scary if things don't work out then it's like it's for people's livelihood that's at mm-hmm. stake almost?
0: don't really think about it. Uh, the first difficulties we had was this year. This year was the, the worst. Kind of it's like we were like um, what I like to call like a growth crisis. Okay. You know, uh, because the thing you have to know is like it's hard to run a business which is not working. But it's even harder to run like a business with working crazy uh or maybe not harder but more dangerous kind of. yes because the problem is like uh, yeah you're like like uh, your revenue is growing but like your
1: expenses your expenses
0: are growing the same way you know and at some points when you start to l- make less revenue the charges don't drop anymore that's the problem with charges as long as they're here it's like if they're here it's like because you need them or they will not be there and so like we were at this point this year because I don't know. Like I think from in twenty twenty, we made like four hundred percent growth or something like over the year, like uh three hundred or four hundred. I can't remember exactly. And this year we had fifty percent. Wow. So which is still great. I don't know. Like most company would be like really happy with a growth like that. But I mean, going to three hundred to fifty. In your plans, it was not the same because we plan we did not plan uh, three hundred again this year because uh, saying it's easier to go from like let's say five hundred thousand to one million it's times two then to one to two already because you have to get an extra million it's harder than, and so yeah so we plan like uh, stocks for example like uh, in a way that would like uh, have a big growth compared to last year like actually. It was still growth and not as big as expected. You have way too much stocks. Uh, you spend still like a lot of money in like expenses in general. And so like yeah, it was like a bit the the year where like the transitional, but like it's a good thing too, because at least last year we have this year to base ourselves on because that's the hard thing with a growing company also. When you grow too quick, you can't base yourself. and that's very important to do planning, to know how many units to produce, for example. And I think next year is going to be the easy one then. It's going to be like the one where basically I'm comfortable enough to say how much revenue I'm going to make next year.
1: But it's also like, you know, you were in like second or third year. It's very tough to extrapolate and estimate what Mm -hmm. you can do because you only had a couple of years to base out and one of them was... A very Mm -hmm. exponential year. Um, I guess like working through that growth crisis, um, what were some like things that you did that you felt like, you know what, this is me having more control again and also helping the whole team out of this like crazy growth period Mm -hmm. and understanding um, some of the things that you have to do.
0: I was very invested into Balan. so basically, like the bank account of Balan, it would be like it's mine. Not exactly mm-hmm. mine, but I mean, like I was like yeah, way too implied. Actually, like personally speaking, like psychologically speaking, into the company. So the, the first thing, the most important to do is to. St- take a step backwards Mm -hmm. like uh, on your own business or like you like yeah you have to take some like a step backwards to really understand like yeah so what's wrong today kind of what's not working as well as last year um and so that was the the hardest thing to do for me this year at least because when you every day into the account every day into the sales every day into like the stocks three years ago we had no money now i'm gonna pay like uh maybe within one day, a hundred thousand, like that, like, I'm going to make transfer to, like, uh, f- suppliers, and the dimension of, like, uh, expenses did change, like, I'm buying a house every month, kind of, uh, you know, like, uh, and second, like, yeah, you have to know what's not working today. Um, It's normal to be less profitable as much as you grow, and yeah, like, to take one step at a time and, like, to be optimistic.
1: And as you were building your store online, um, or even retail-wise, has there been Tools, apps that really helped you build, and are there any favorites that you can share?
0: We yeah, are on Shopify since February 2020. Uh, we went before on WooCommerce. We started on Wix. Uh, uh, so, all the steps, like we had to change solution kind of. Wix, the problem was with the logistics. So, we could not interface with our logistics mm-hmm. software. So, we went on WooCommerce, WooCommerce, but was full of bugs. For us, it was like uh, not possible. So when we had a lot of traffic on the website, for example, that uh, people could not order or spend sometimes an hour to order because it was too many people. The website was lagging. The server was lagging. I think it was. Someone from Shopify who knew the brand or something like that and they contacted us because we were starting to become famous on how our website was lagging know like people knew. And so this uh, Shopify partner presented us with an agency in Paris, it was really good. And we built a website and since we never had lag or, or something, uh, you can do anything you want. The first app we took, like I think uh, we had one app like which is called Intercom. Uh, I don't know if you know it's like customer service so you have a chat like uh, on your website and like your customer can reach you through it's like chat box we have also another solution that we love it's yes. Uh so like yeah you fully integrate it so that's great too and we use Clavio as our, it's a CRM solution we use it for men like our main loyalty program stuff uh, because they have something like we call like flows automated email so basically for the I don't know. It's your birthday. You receive an email with a code. Uh, but Klaviyo is great to segment. It's really user friendly. So Shopify. understood everything. And if you don't do the switch today, you might get in trouble at some point because I don't know. Like uh, now, every time we think about a new solution, we think about like, oh, it's integrated to Shopify. It also fitted. I don't know if you know. Mm. It's a sizing tools recommendation tool.
1: Amazing. Um, and then, looking forward, is there any plans or uh, news that you can share that you want to highlight? The first plan
0: would be to keep the things the way they are. As I told you before, like profits come after uh, keeping the spirit. Like we have an amazing team. We found like employees which are like really invested. Like uh, they love the message. They love the company. They probably do feel like yeah, they're as invested as us today. And. Um, so yeah, like to keep the company like that, uh to keep the employees like that. And after more business speaking, we already but like really big in France, so that's uh, that's okay. We want to expand a bit more too. Uh Europe is a great market for us. We're not focusing on the too much on the US yet. we we'll start a bit pretty particular. The US when you European business. I mean like uh it's a lot of investment. So we're focusing on Europe now. And uh Maybe like uh, we were planning on opening a new boutique in Paris. This one's working well, so maybe like uh, extend the concept to really important like part of the company, which is like uh, in the social charity area. Mm-hmm. So uh, since we started, basically we always made partnership with association. So we, for example, like uh, create uh, created, said it. it did exist before, but we adapted it to a company. But like the concept of uh, in France, I don't know if it's the same in the US. But for example, you go to a bar and uh, you pay yourself a coffee, you can leave to the barman like one extra euro and if like poor people want to have a coffee, basically it's this concept of like you go to the bar and like it's five extra euros, so here you can have your coffee, you know, or something like that and so we did put the exact same concept on the website, so people can leave a euro, two euros, five euros, ten euros, whatever and we turn all this money into like, uh, we give clothes in the same time, so for example if we buy a t-shirt let's say 18 euros we got eighteen euros, but we give eighteen euros. We're not like charging like forty four as it's the old that's really what we paid covered by like the donation of clients, and uh, we do that like um. It's always one going on, kind of, like, so every three months we change the association. So, like, yeah, we do, like, fundraising. My sister always wanted a plan since she started Tejin to, like, build, like, the Tajim Banan Foundation. And she's invited to the Ministry of for the Rights of Women to, to breastfeed. Yeah, she's becoming a bit of a public figure. It's, it's funny <laughs> to see it like that. But, like, uh, yeah, so she has plan of her own, too, in this area. So we take it that one step at a time, like no big plans for the future, because we realize that when you make big plans anyway, it never happens. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing, you know. Amazing. Yeah. I don't know if it's the right advice for everybody, but it worked for us, fine. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. No, but still very exciting plans and mm-hmm. looking forward to how you yeah. guys grow. Amazing. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Marvin. This has yeah, been sure. great. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Shopify Masters. My name is Shuang, and if you enjoyed the business journey of Tajin Bonan, please leave us a review on your listening platform so the story can be discovered by others. Until next time on Shopify Masters.